Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hoping you're all well. Matt Egan, Editorial Director of Strategy Next. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for the Strategy Next podcast. I'm thrilled to be here as always. And I'm actually super lucky because I get to interview people about really interesting things and um, work with some really good companies uh, that are driving a lot of change um, uh, within a variety of industries and, and countries and, and uh, all sorts of different things. And today's no different because we actually ran a uh, webinar session with Nutanix. It was entitled IT Transformation and the Future of Digital Health in ASEAN. Um, I don't know how many people are doing business in ASEAN. Obviously, we have people that are, are listening from um, Southeast Asia, um, but it's a super interesting place. Um, obviously, with so many emerging economies as well as established, um, there's so much creativity in innovation, and um, it's really exciting to cover and run roundtables and do all that sort of stuff uh, because you really do hear a variety of, of, of different things. So to look at digital health in Daisy, and I actually had a really good Q&A with Chris Hart- um, Hardesty. He's the Director of Life Sciences Practice at um, KPMG. Uh, Chris has a, a lot of exposure in region and globally, and it was quite interesting to hear, I guess, his reflections on where the region is um, and uh, where, where it's going, you know. So we're thinking under-resourced, but we're also thinking um, large amounts of growth uh, in, in, in some of these markets. So um, I hope you enjoy the listen. Uh, there's a lot in there for anybody that's interested in both region and technology. So away we go. Um, the, the first one uh, is, is coming through, and, and that's for, for you, Chris. It's on collaboration. So um, Daniel asks, um, <clears throat> what advice would you give for uh, institutions that are looking to collaborate outside of their jurisdictions? Well, and it's kind of why it may have sounded a bit tangential when I was giving a kind of a health economic story of Southeast Asia, but it's because I think that the story you tell has to deliver value in the eyes of the other person on the other side of the table. And, and of course, we all understand that. But, uh, you know, Southeast Asia is not a homogenous region. The macro challenges that these countries face means that maybe a traditional model of uh, application of technology isn't so straightforward. And I can give you a couple of examples. I mean, many Governments in this part of the world face a trade deficit, so the companies that attempt to bring their innovations into the country but don't have a local presence is just seen as negatively impacting the uh, the trade deficit, right? So the ones who are winning are the ones who are actually establishing their local footprint and, and localizing, essentially, you know. Um, you know, another example is I think often in, in this part of the world, given the lack of funding from the governments, uh, you know, we're looking, as I mentioned, the B2B2C model. So we're looking at, let's say, private insurers to be the kind of savior here. But, you know, in reality, the, the, the private insurance model is based on those who are well, uh, offsetting the cost of those who are sick. So, you know, if you're trying to then introduce the technology into that whole cycle, it has to be so clear in the private insurer's mind, you know, how that's going to be funded and, and, and what value that delivers to the whole cycle. So, you know, that's my suggestion is really breaking down the ASEAN market, breaking down technology, internal, external, what digital health, we went through all of that earlier. And, and then you really have to see the the story from the other side of the table if you want to be successful in these partnerships. Yeah, brilliant. And this is a follow-up question. So um, um, this one comes from Jason. So Jonathan took us through, you know, a little bit around edge computing and, and I guess some of the 
are the, the really innovative um, sides of, of um, digital health from a technology standpoint. Chris, um, is there any sort of, uh, are you observing any, any sort of reluctance um, from the industry in terms of um, reducing the interpersonal nature of, of healthcare? Is, is there, can technology get too involved or what, what's your observations on that? That's an abbreviate, abbreviation of, of what was a great question from Jason. Yeah, I probably glazed over it a little bit too much earlier, but uh, you know, I've personally implemented electronic patient records in hospitals, and uh, oftentimes what you see is about uh, you know ten to fifteen percent of the workforce that's a bit older, they basically just leave the organization or retire, you know, because the the, the technology disrupts the uh, the pathway and the interaction that most people are used to. So, you know, this is changing as new millennium, you know, a lot of the doctors are part of the kind of new millennium generation. They're looking for more of that sort of thing. But I think, a, you know, a major barrier to these technology projects is just the cultural aspect, right? Whether that's on the patient side or the doctor's side, um, you know, and it's kind of like the, uh, the online offline retail model. You'll never be able to get rid of stores, right? People still want to go, go to the physical store look and feel touch there's there's always that segment but you know i think as um as as the patient side as the doctor side get more familiar with how these technologies provide benefit we, we will overcome some of those cultural challenges but but it's it's massive and it's often overlooked i think yeah big time the, the people process and and the technology um jonathan this one's um coming through for yourself so um it, it's it's around uh cloud computing so you mentioned it and uh, i think you showed a slide that that um you know, healthcare is really in the started, starting stages of its cloud journey up against sort of, you know, FSI and perhaps more heavily invested industries. What advice would you have for an organisation that's putting together a cloud group blueprint? And this is coming from, a, I guess, an IT executive's perspective. Right. So when we look at the cloud blueprint, um, we also have the uh, initially, uh, quite often you, have, you need to uh, classify your data. You need to... Uh, to see uh, where your data is, uh, what you do with your data, whether it's uh, EMR, whether you're uh, doing traditional backup or billing, you need to establish um, the importance of your data, uh, where it needs to be, and where the applications are based. And there may be some limitations on some applications. Maybe they, they're not cloud ready in the traditional sense, mm. or they may be still very much focused on traditional infrastructure. So you need to take into those uh, those things into account. Um, the cloud can help with certain aspects of that. Um, when you're developing a cloud strategy, you need to understand the applications, um, the application of where your data is and what you do with it um, before you start uh, moving to more uh, expressive modes like the cloud. So um, when applications and particularly uh, application, healthcare application vendors uh, eventually decide to move uh, towards a, a more cloud-based uh, perspective, out. then um, I think I think the, the, the multi-cloud uh, strategy and how you deploy and how you manage and how you operate such systems will become more and more relevant. So that's the type of blueprint that you need to to uh, the blueprint needs to encompass to all these different aspects so you have a complete model. Yeah, definitely. And, and particularly in health, um, Jonathan, where, you know, sort of some applications can be quite traditionally ran um, and they're, they're quite specific to um, 
to uh, quite specific to the industry. Um, we've got some other good questions uh, for yourself, Jonathan. Um, this one comes from Mahanish. Um, what's your experience been respect with respect to data security issue, uh, issues across different geographies? This might be a tough one for you, Jonathan, considering um, <laughs> the jurisdictions of AGN. Um, but but, but uh, security in cloud, what, what, what are your observations, particularly with health, where, where there's a lot of medical records involved? Yeah, um, medical records uh, actually recent in the uh, recent years have become quite a big target for hackers and uh, uh, and uh, uh, simply because uh, when you have a medical history, when you have medical data, then uh, you can do more with it. We so uh, they've become a bit of a target. So when you see data security across uh, the regions, um, a lot of governments, like Chris mentioned, simply have not caught up with the regulation um, mm. some countries simply just don't have anything applicable to healthcare data um, they still have requirements for uh, paper filing uh, uh, where you still see hospitals having to store uh, paper records uh, paper medical records as a matter of regulation rather than a matter of actual uh, use of usefulness mm. uh, we also have uh, more developed uh, uh, locations like Singapore, like uh, your ANZs, where uh, they, they're more highly regulated and uh, you have much more, uh, they, uh, the governments have started to look at uh, what you do with uh, data security. And sometimes this may, may be more than just um, uh, healthcare records. Uh, sometimes in some countries like in in Europe, they have uh, GDPR, which encompasses all personal data, not just healthcare data. Yeah, it's 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 a big one, and and um, I mean, if you're a CIO in 2019, security really is um, at the pointy end of, of um, a lot of the conversations that you're having. I've never seen it sort of reach fever pitch across the region, really, um, the considerations of security, and uh, yeah, a big challenge um, um, given yeah that regulations are often sort of uh, a little bit behind, particularly in this area. Um, gentlemen, thanks so much for your contributions uh, uh, this afternoon. I thought it was great. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll thank you. Uh, th thank, uh, thank you both as a whole. Um, uh, really, really good session. So we had the opportunity to really have a look at the macro elements of what digital health was and, and moving to some of the really exciting things that are going on from both a sort of customer's uh, patient-centric um, viewpoint um, that Chris touched upon. And then Jonathan took us in, and, and I mean, Nutanix is, is, is really a market leader in, in obviously um, uh, that cloud transition. Um, uh, so it's great to hear um, uh, from, from a global leader um, and have them share their perspective on, on the challenges uh, within the industry. So thank you so much. Big thank you to Chris for that Q&A. That was um, sensational. I told you it's really good to, um, uh, to to have a think about this space, particularly if you're in healthcare at all because um, it, there's just so many unique challenges uh, in regions. So thanks so much, Chris. And, and Nutanix obviously driving that webinar. You can have a listen to the whole webinar, which has a presentation from Jonathan Howe, um, who's the Healthcare Vertical Technology Lead at, at, at Nutanix. Um, so, guys, feel free to jump on via strategynext.com.au uh, and, in this case, strategynext.asia. 
Um, thanks so much again for joining us. Um, we really do hope to see you soon with, with some more great content.